This podcast was made with Descript. Descript is a groundbreaking new media tool that allows creators to edit audio and video like a text document and create a realistic clone of their own voice for seamless edits. Please check out our Patreon at Asian Hustle Network. We want Asians to continue being meaningful and give back to the Asian community. If you enjoy our podcast and would like to contribute to our feature, we hope you become a patron. Hey guys, welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Maggie. And we interview Asian entrepreneurs around the world to amplify their voices and empower Asians to pursue their dreams and goals. We believe that each person has a message and a unique story from their entrepreneurial journey that they can share with all of us. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. Today, we have a very special guest with us. His name is Jason Y. Lee. Jason is the founder and CEO of Jubilee Media. Jubilee Media creates experience to provoke a new culture of empathy. Known for viral series Middle Ground, Spectrum, and Odd Men Out, Jubilee has developed an audience of over 6 million subscribers and garnered over 1 billion views. As the world becomes more divided, Jubilee bridges people together to create empathy, discourse and love. Prior to founding Jubilee, Jason was a consultant at Bain and Company. He also previously worked on the 2007 Obama campaign and for the Clinton Health Access Initiative in Zambia. Jason is a proud Korean American raised in Overland Park, Kansas, and graduated with honors from the University of Pennsylvania, the Wharton School. Jason, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be here. And thank you for that amazing intro. That was really <laughs> thorough and and uh, very. It sounds very impressive. I don't feel like that. <laughs> it's you. <laughs> it is impressive. So we are excited to have you on the show. Yeah, we're super excited to have you, Jason. Let's hop right into it, man. I know you mentioned that you grew up in Kansas City. What was the upbringing like for you? Yeah, I mean, in a lot of ways, when I say that I'm from Kansas, I think a lot of times I'm one of the few Asian Americans that folks have. Like people don't even know that there are Asians in Kansas. Um, the truth is I grew up in a pretty like suburban Midwest town. Um, it was like very Kansan and that it was super white. Um, and I think for a long time, it took me a while to figure out my identity as an Asian American, just as a human really. Um, but so many things that I love about growing up in the Midwest is there's this like Midwestern hospitality, mm-hmm. which is like, you'll meet someone on the street and they'll invite you over for dinner and say, Hey, come over for some dinner. We'll have some roast awesome. beef and, chat um so that's something i really loved about growing up in kansas wow wow that's amazing and how did that kind of shape your asian identity i know you, you mentioned brief briefly just now how you had trouble finding it how how did you eventually find your identity mm-hmm. and who you are as a person yeah i mean i think the reason why it was a challenge for me was often when i was in school or at the supermarket literally everyone that i saw looked white um and i think it's a certain it had an effect on me where I don't think I really processed it, but I always felt very micro in that when everyone around you looks white, you start to think that you are white maybe, Mm -hmm. or, you know, and I think it wasn't until I would hear certain remarks about, and it was never like malicious, but I would hear remarks about being Asian or certain jokes. I was like, wait a second. Okay. I'm, I'm obviously Asian American. I'm different. What does that mean? And, you know, when I was young, my parents would send us to Hangarakyo, which is a Korean school, mm-hmm. and we would go to church. And I think that's where I started to find a lot more of uh, my community that at least looked and reflected my experience. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty cool because I think in a lot of ways, you know, similar to Superman who's from Kansas, I think you you start to have like a dual identity where it's like, okay, mm-hmm. I, I both know how to interface and exist in a very white society. But I also have my Korean side where we love kimchi and we, we speak Korean and we're listening to HOT and G-O-D and now BTS, right? Um, so I think that that gave me the ability to understand what it feels like to be third culture, mm-hmm. to sometimes sit at the margins. But I think that's a, a big superpower in a lot of ways for empathy. Yeah, that's that's awesome to, to hear about that and finding your identity and culture. I think one of the main drivers of us creating Asian Hustle Network is because when we talk to Asians who grew, who didn't grow up in New York or the West Coast, there seems to be a loss of identity. And there seems to be a feeling where they feel like they don't belong anywhere. You know, they don't have a tribe. And we keep hearing that over and over. So that eventually pushed us to like, you know what? We want to have more people from the Midwest who are Asian come on our podcast because we want to hear from your experience because it is 
it may not be as effective as for West Coast Asians because you grew up with a lot of Asians, but mm-hmm. Asians that grew up in the Midwest is like, I need to hear this because yeah. I feel the same way. Yeah. You know? So thank you for that, Jason. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Like I, whenever I talk with people who grew up in the Midwest, you know, I feel like they often feel like they weren't American enough. Right. But then also they don't, they also didn't feel like they were Asian enough. And so mm. it's really like finding our Asian identity and it could be like a lifelong process. Right. Mm. But I, I think it's amazing here. Just hearing your experience. But I do have the credit the Asians that grew up in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. It's because you guys seem to be more aware of what it means to be Asian. Hmm. You know, yeah. you know, I think that there is a um, it it kind of punches you in the face and that you're very, very clearly different. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly that comes with a lot of challenges, whether it's like microaggressions or bullying or feeling othered. Um, but I think in my case, I learned quickly what it means to be able to relate to other people. You know, there were other individuals who are also minorities in my school. There weren't very many of us. But, you know, when you like saw the black student there's like kind of this understanding of, okay, we are minorities here. Um, What does it mean to like act in solidarity? What what does it mean to build coalition? These are all things that later I was able to put words to, but I felt like in my core as a young person of, okay, okay, how do I exist in this space and recognize that my voice is just as important as everyone else's, even though I may look a little different. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's super important. I think like for Brian and myself, because we grew up in the West Coast and in LA, Brian grew up in I LA. I grew up in high school as 99% Asian, by the way. <laughs> yeah, and I grew up in <laughs> San Francisco. So it's a very similar. I went to schools that were like 80 to 90% Asian. So until like Brian and I went to mid- the Midwest and other states, it, it was then that we realized that, oh. Wait a minute, I'm a minority? I have yeah. no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and that's great. I, I think that's why so many I see so many great leaders come out of, you know, L.A., SF, New York. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a, a like a community and a voice that is so strengthened. Right. And I think we just need folks, all different types of folks. Right. Um, I think we, we probably grew up around the same era. But for me growing up, the only role models I had to look up to, honestly, were Jackie Chan and Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm. Literally, one of my nicknames in high school was Bruce mm-hmm. because they did not have anyone else to call yeah. me. Um, and I think that was one of the main reasons why when YouTube started to blow up and now these other little kind of communities are blowing up, it's mm-hmm. so empowering from not only our generation, but the generation below us because they finally get to okay. see people who are killing it, who are hustling or starting their own business and saying, wait a second, as a kid from Kansas, I can do that too. Why not me? Yeah, I really like that, that candy mentality. It goes a long way. And have you thought about creating a media company like when you were a kid or how does, how does Jubilee Project come along? Yeah, no, it's a great question. Um, no, and never in my wildest dreams would I have imagined or believed I could be sitting where I am today, where I get to run my own company, where I've started multiple organizations. Um, it's a dream come true. And I think the reason is because Quite honestly, I think, you know, my parents and I love them to death. There was such a big focus on doing the traditional route, Mm -hmm. doing things that are stable. Mm -hmm. And I think it was really out of love that they kind of pushed me towards, you know, a lot more traditional occupations. Let's Mm -hmm. be a doctor, let's be a lawyer, let's be an engineer. Um, And they're professors. So they definitely wanted to encourage learning and growing, but it was never like, let's take a risk and find out what they're really excited and passionate about. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so now that I'm here, I think, you know, I think my 12 year old self would just be like mind blown. Um, yeah. Congratulations yeah. on that. And I, I do feel you in that, you know, at the end of the day, our Asian parents want to do what they think is best for us, you know, mm-hmm. because maybe perhaps they're missing this in a piece of their lives growing up. They wanted security and they felt like security would bring happiness. But I feel like every generation is different, right? For us, it's like, it's more about purpose. It's more about finding fulfillment. It's more about making a difference, you know? And the thing with Asian parents is like, you kind of have to show them slowly, slowly that it is possible before they yeah. believe you. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're always the first to reject your idea. They're like, ah, it's bad, <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> but it's not no. their fault either, you know, because I think it's just a generational gap. You know, I yeah. think that a lot of things that we're doing today that are like viable careers, they just don't get a grasp of it and they don't understand it because of the generational gap. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I, I feel like in so many ways, when my, when my parents came, they came as students, um, grad students. 
uh, and they didn't intend to stay here, right, in the States. But once we were born, they said, you know what, this might be a better place for us to raise our kids. Mm -hmm. So really, when they came, they were coming to survive. In a lot of ways, I think our generation, we believe like we want to thrive here. Um, and thriving for us means something completely different than for them, which was, hey, I'm not even able to find a job or find, you know, housing that's secure. Mm -hmm. Rather, for us, we're thinking, what am I excited about? What am I ignited about? Um, and I think it's a huge privilege that we have in a lot of ways. And I know not everyone gets the privilege to do that. But I think, you know, if and when you have the opportunity to dream, mm -hmm. I think that's an uh, opportunity that I always encourage folks not to squander that. Definitely. Absolutely. Thank you for the advice, Jason. And flash forward to, so you graduated college in 2009, which I would have to say is almost as bad as 2020. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it did feel like that. It did feel like the world was falling apart and the sky yeah. was like crumbling down. Yeah. I do want to ask though, during graduating during that time, it's like the absolute peak of scarcity mindset because yeah. jobs were so hard to get and you have to hold on to your career so tightly. And for you to even have the idea to start your media company while having a job, what was that? What was going through your mind at that time? You know, the weird thing was, so I graduated 2009 and folks may be too young to remember 2008, 2009 was like the worst financial crisis we've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And up until that point, when I was in college, I was studying business at Wharton. Everyone was just so gung-ho about going into investment banking or consulting because you would graduate college and you'd be making six figures as like a 21 year old getting crazy bonuses. And everyone's like, Oh my God, I can become successful. I can become rich. And right around 2008, when the financial crisis started to hit suddenly all of these folks who had worked so hard to get there, all of their offers started to get rescinded. Yeah. Like Lehman brothers was gone. Like all these companies started just disappearing. And we're like, wait a second. This was a space that was literally built to be the most secure. And that's one of the biggest reasons why we went after this space. And now you're telling me this is not secure at all. In fact, that there are very few opportunities. Yeah. In a lot of ways that I recognize now, and that's when one of the light bulbs went off my head of, mm -hmm. wait a second, even the things that we think are the most secure, the most reputable, the most um, stable are not the case. And if that's the case, why don't we do the things that we're actually excited to do, right? Yeah. So then um, I think that that opened my eyes and it was never like this intentional thing of, wow, now I'm going to go start a media company. I, I honestly didn't have that courage to even like utter those words. Mm -hmm. What it was, was, hmm, this doesn't seem like as secure or as stable as I thought. And what if like this entire industry crumbled? What is it that I would want to be doing? Mm -hmm. And right around that time was when the Haiti earthquake happened and I ended up making my first video and it wasn't like magic. It wasn't like, this is what you're supposed to do with the rest of your life. It literally was, wow, that was super fun. Mm -hmm. Wow. People seem to really like this video. Hmm, I kind of would like to make another one, mm -hmm. you know, like little things, little things that become hobbies that become a passion. Mm -hmm. And that's what I always tell people is like, say yes to a lot of stuff. You never know which little match will turn into a wildfire. And some of these matches will just go out. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like I was really excited about rock climbing for like two weeks. <laughs> you know what I mean? And on the third week, I was like, ah, I don't know if I can be bothered. And I'm like, okay, so that clearly is not it. But some of the things that we start doing, suddenly I found myself nights, weekends, making my 10th video, my 30th video. And you're saying, wow, this gets me so excited. Like it doesn't feel like work. It feels like something I'm really you know, wanting to grow in and learning. And that was a, that was a tremendous time for me. I'm like, this is, mm. that's yeah, amazing. I, I love that. And man, that resonates with me so, so much <laughs> what you said. Um, yeah, I think we graduated on the same time and I, I was seeing my mentors getting laid off left and right. <sighs> and that's when I'm like, there's no company loyalty. I need to work <sighs> my own stuff. And I, yeah. and hearing your story too, it's like, it's so relatable. Cause I literally felt the same way. I'm like, oh man, here I'm seeing my mentors work at the companies for 10, 20 years getting laid off. I'm like, what is that? What, like, what does that mean? Like 10, 20 years? I don't want to be that, you know? Mm -hmm. So it like, gave me a lot of like, like, like drive to like create my own side hustles. I'm like, all right, I need to try this and that. I failed, failed a crap ton of times, by the way. <laughs> yeah. That's so necessary. Yeah. I, I really love how like, 
for for me too, it also, it also resonates with me too, in the sense that like every time I left a job, you know, they're, they're always going to be able to replace me the next day. Right. And mm-hmm. I often feel like, you know, if, if that's going to be the case, like, you know, well, that means I'm always going to be replaceable. They're always going to find a replacement for me. So I'm really not as valuable as, you know, the income that they're paying me, but I really love like your mindset, how you put, how, you know, you didn't have like this automatic switch and it's not like an overnight thing where you know like exactly okay this it's a is gonna process. This, yeah you you didn't think like okay this is gonna bring me success right away but it was after your 30th video your 40th video that momentum that you built up is just like really consistency inspiring. matters guys consistency that's right. matters yeah. that's so true and you know i'm sure you you guys both get this all the time i have people that you know hit me up in the dm and say hey i'm thinking about quitting my job oh yeah, yeah hustle I'm, I'm thinking about like quitting uh, med school or being a lawyer and to do X, Y, and Z. What I always tell folks is, you know what? That's awesome that you've got that kind of hunger and that excitement. So mm-hmm. definitely use that, but also recognize that sometimes we can start building some of these things in our free time, nights and weekends, like make sure that you are like pressure testing some of these ideas first. Mm-hmm. And if you feel like in your heart, man, I'm supposed to be an entrepreneur. I want to be like Brian and Maggie. I want to be hustling out there, but I just don't. Yeah. And my, and Jason. Um, but I don't know if I have what it takes, but I always tell people being in a nine to five, isn't a cop out. It doesn't mean you were like destined to be there forever. Sometimes we actually need to be in a nine to five to a build our income, like yeah. build capital so that we can sustain ourselves. B, sometimes you actually have great places to learn and grow. Right. Like I actually think Bain was an amazing place for me to learn how to think about company, how to think about networking, grow discipline. Like those are not wasted opportunities. It's not like we're just biding our time to start our own company. It's if you have these opportunities to learn and grow wherever you are, that's mm-hmm. going to serve you tremendously for when you have your own company is you can learn from the mistakes without as much, without thinking, Oh my God, you know, I have nothing to eat at home. Yeah. It's kind of a scary thing at times. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I do agree with that. Out of curiosity too, like how did your experience graduating in 2009 and seeing everything collapsing and changing so quickly affect your business decisions now? You know, how did that affect you and be like, you know, like seeing that all that happened, like, are you more reserved as a business person or are you still abundance in general? No, it's a really good question. Um, I think more than anything at that time taught me not to take anything for granted that when business is going well and you feel like everything is clicking on all cylinders, that um, that's a blessing. And sometimes that's because of the work you've done. A lot of times it's the work that you've done, but a lot of times there's external factors, right? Mm -hmm. Of we're not in a recession, that people are spending money, that people are partnering. Um, And that's something that I've always taken with me. And the other thing I've always taken with me is like, how do I want, how do I want to be able to treat my employees and what kind of team do I want to build so that when we hit crazy times like 2008 or God forbid we hit a pandemic in 2020, how are we going to be able to respond to that? Right. So I think that so much of that was really important. And I was lucky that my first job at Bain, that they did a really good job in the way that they spoke to us and the way that they were transparent about the business, setting our expectations, right. It's not always going to be that you get to keep everyone's jobs, but I think, treating people with respect and um, being as earnest and honest as you can with how the business is going is pretty important because you kind of empower people to make great decisions for themselves. I love that. That's really good advice. Yeah. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, You want to ask your question? Yeah. And so, you know, I would love to know, like, you know, you were at Bain and it seems like you were working on Jubilee project at the same time, at the same time, two years. Yeah. For a couple of years. (laughs) So talk about like that, jump like making the jump and figuring out okay like this is what i want to do full time what was that moment in time like where you had that switch and why did you want to make that jump too when i yeah. continue further down two paths why did you like okay this is time to do this full time yeah. now yeah because we you know like bain and company it's like one of the most respected consulting firms you know and so mm. like how did you feel at that time like did you feel like nervous and scared or were you kind of like very confident in your decision? Take a shot of whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Many, many shots of soju. Um, <laughs> it's funny because I actually had seen other people leave the company. And usually when they left the company, they were like, oh, I've got this amazing idea. And other people were so envious because they're like, this idea is like a rocket ship, right? Like Bain 
helped to like launch the folks who started like Warby Parker and all these other really, really impressive startups mm -hmm. came out of Bain. When I was talking about what I was going to go do, no one was like, oh, this is a rocket ship idea. <laughs> Support. It, it was like, wait, what are you doing? You're going to be making videos on YouTube as a nonprofit. It, it, it didn't make much sense. Uh -huh. um, so it wasn't that the opportunity was so great that I had to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm always envious of folks who seem to have been able to align their passion with a great opportunity. But why did I decide to go do it myself? One thing was I knew that I didn't want to stay in uh, consulting and I, that required me to take a leap. Mm -hmm. And I knew that if I stayed too long in consulting or moved to the next tier, which would have been like private equity or VC, they pay insane amounts of money. Like, you know, the next level, we would have been paid like 300 grand or something insane. Yeah. And I realized, okay, if I start making that amount of money, it's gonna be very, very difficult for me to leave that and make literally zero dollars. Mm -hmm. So it was around that point that I said, you know what, this is something I love to do. It's something I want to grow in. I want to have the ability to come back if I want to. Um, and a lot of the courage actually just came from myself working with, you know, one of my best friends and my brother were both equally passionate about it. And they actually were more inclined because, you know, my brother really didn't enjoy his job at the time. Um, my friend who was at med school is getting really burnt out and they were ready to make the jump. And I said, okay, I feel ready. I'm excited. Let's go. And, you know, I think when you add up the courage, I think that's when you find, you know, you've got enough to, to fuel the rocket ship. Yeah. What was your brother doing at the time? You know, my brother, he was working at the department of education, um, under the Obama white house. And mm -hmm. I think he, he loves government. He loves politics, all of those things. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think that he felt like maybe things were moving a little slowly that he wasn't able to make as much change as he would have liked. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, being in our close knit circle of other Asian leaders, you often hear a Jubilee media and the amazing culture that you guys have at your company. Um, how did you foster such a, such an awesome culture around passion and empathy and innovation? Uh, and does that reflect on you as a leader? Do you live by your core values? Like, what was your like vision uh, for your team for, and for Jubilee Media? First off, thank you for saying that. That's like honestly the biggest compliment you can give to us or to me as a leader. Um, I have a mentor, Dave Gibbons, who always talks about like the philosophy of building great companies. And I really subscribe to it. And what he says is you've got to begin by building a great culture. When you build great culture, you'll then attract world-class talent. When you have world-class talent, you'll make excellent product. And when you have excellent product, that's when you'll start to build a great brand. And a lot of times I think people try to do it in reverse, right? There's so many people and they're right. They want you, we want to build great brands, right? We want to great, build brands that will last decades. That's just not going to wither or kind of disappear or be fleeting. Um, but sometimes the emphasis so much is about uh, Jubilee or my brand. Oh, I want to be known as X, Y, and Z. But I learned very, very quickly that building culture is like building the right foundation. Mm -hmm. um, so the way that we do that at Jubilee is we have five core pillars of our values that I literally make everyone memorize and say, hey, what are the values of Jubilee? So mm -hmm. like we just onboarded another set of interns and I said, I'm going to ask you in a week in front of the entire company, what are the values of Jubilee? Mm -hmm. um, and ours, we have an acronym, PAGER, uh, so that's how we remember it. But mm -hmm. That's always been something I've been really proud of. And even now when we send folks off and you know, other folks are creating their own companies, it's something that I always try to like remind them, what are your values? What is your mission? What is your vision? Why are you doing this? Because at the end of the day, there are days that we're going to wake up and be like, oh shoot, I really just don't want to work. Mm -hmm. No matter how good the company is, right? Even if it's our own company. Yeah. But then when you're reminded about why you do what you do and how you go about doing that work, I think that gives us so much more purpose. Mm -hmm. I mean, it gets really people excited. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah, that's something I'm really proud of. 
I absolutely love that. I feel like a lot of companies, they often tell you what their values are and then they have you just store it away somewhere and you never look on a piece of paper and you're like, I don't know what that means. (laughs) Stored somewhere on the drive that you can't ever find. And I think it's so important to reiterate what your values are. And that also reinforces your employees to remember like what your purpose is, you know, what your company's vision is every single day so that you know what your collective goal is. it's so shocking that you know as a leader of an organization that it's so easy for your organization to forget what you're what you're about mm-hmm. when times are hard yeah. what are we about guys everyone yeah. forgot yeah. damn it what is our north star right? <laughs> yeah Oh, and it's so natural, right? Because literally it feels like there are little fires everywhere. It feels like the, the roof is on fire or like the faucet is leaking. And these are all important things that we've got to fix still. Yeah. Uh, but then knowing the foundation you're standing on is is so critical. Yeah. Absolutely. I do want to switch gears and talk about Jason as an entrepreneur. Because you understand that the entrepreneur path has a lot of highs and a lot of lows. And the lows are the ones that really test our character and who we are that makes us feel anxious and nervous all the time. I just want to hear about your experience too. Like what were some of the lows that you faced during Jubilee that, that you're comfortable with sharing with us? Because, you know, with, with entrepreneurship, with entrepreneurship right now, it's so glamorous. It's like, Hey guys, you be entrepreneur, like nice cars, nice watches, great lifestyle, but there's a huge work component to it. That's a huge re- reality, reality check. And we like to talk to entrepreneurs about this too, because Every time you read an article, they don't talk about your dark side. They don't talk about your mental health issues. They only yeah. talk about the nice cars, nice things, and nice acquisitions. But we want, to, we want to make sure that we cover that in this podcast with you as well. No, I think it's a really important question and important topic that we don't talk about enough. Mm-hmm. And I, I would dare say that folks who are interested in becoming an entrepreneur for the nice car and the nice watch, um, often that's not enough motivation to get through the hard stuff. Mm-hmm. And sure, that'd be a great outcome. But, uh, you know, up until this pandemic, I'm driving a 93 Honda Element, right? Or 2003 Honda Element. And I've got a Casio watch that costs 20 bucks from, from Amazon. Um, so I don't know if I would call my job glamorous. Uh, I will call it the most difficult job I've ever had, but also the best job I've ever had. Um, and the way I describe it to other folks who, you know, being a founder is kind of a lonely thing, actually. And it's hard and you don't really understand it. And when you find other founders, there's like a kinship just because you're like, man, we're being forged in this fire. It's because, you know, in other companies, I call them like yachts or like the Titanic where any wave, you can barely feel it because the boat is so big. So if you're a passenger there, you're fine. Literally, we are going out into the ocean on this tiny like raft. that You can feel every wave. So the highs feel super high and you're like, dude, I am the best entrepreneur in the world. No one can stop me. And then literally the next day you'll get hit by a wave like, oh my God, I'm so stupid. I'm the worst ever. Mm-hmm. I, I can't believe, uh, why would anyone even trust me? Right. Yeah. Um, so I've had some experiences like that. I think just to answer your question, as far as like some of the lows, so many things, um, you know, I've talked about this before, but I think one of the low points for me was certainly when both of my co-founders had left Jubilee Project. Mm-hmm. And the reason was because so much of my identity and my chutzpah and courage to do this full-time came from a collective identity. Mm-hmm. And it felt like being divorced and then your wife or your partner is like taking everything, the house and the cars and the kids, and you're like, wait a second, what am I if I don't have these people and these things? And that was actually really tough. And and that made me do a lot of soul searching. And honestly, I think that that's made me a better entrepreneur. Uh, That made Jubilee Media a much better company, even the Jubilee Project. Mm -hmm. Um, I think probably other thing that affects me the most is if and when we ever have scenarios where there's someone on our team who I'm seeing give maximum effort, but still is not succeeding or like thriving in their job. Mm -hmm. And the reason is because I find that my responsibility, I believe is to be growing the company, but by the way that I believe we grow the company is by growing every individual. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's such a hard thing when sometimes, and sometimes it's not the boss and sometimes it's not the employee. Sometimes it's just the alignment of what's necessary and where the person is. 
the, the gap is just too large. So that's a really sucky thing of, you know, it's, it sounds crazy, but it's easier to let someone go when they're just not trying hard. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, Timmy, you're supposed to show up at 10 every day. I noticed you're showing up at 1230. We're going to have to let you go. It's like so clear. But when you've got, you know, Jimmy John, who's showing up at 930, trying so hard to grow, but still not able to get there. I think those are some of the things that you start to rock your brain and say, wait, how do I really grow someone? What is the most loving way to support them? And sometimes the most loving way to support them is to to help them realize maybe they need to be somewhere else, actually. Mm-hmm. That has been really, really gut-wrenching at times that I've had to make, yeah. make that decision too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we had to make that decision a couple of times with Asian Hustle Network and mm-hmm. it's, it's never easy, you know? Yeah. yeah. You do care for yeah. everyone, you know, and you want everyone to grow and succeed, but just, yeah, sometimes it just doesn't work out and mm-hmm. it's really sad. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, I think the hard part is figuring out whether or not, you know, you should keep them there and help them grow with the risks of, you know, not having that happen or figuring out, okay, maybe they have a better chance to grow somewhere else, you know, and that's the hard part. Yeah. Yeah. But I do understand the component when you said your identity was tied to your company, your identity Mm -hmm. was tied to your Mm co-founder. It hurts. It hurts a lot when, when things don't go the right way and you're like, I thought we're doing this together. What's going on? And the darkness that you mentioned too, the one that soul searching part is so necessary for all entrepreneurs. I think we all grew through that moment where we're just looking at ourselves in the mirror and we're like, what, what am I doing? Who am I? Like, like everything my mom said about me is right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I tell your mom, you hear her in the background. <laughs> no, I totally agree. You have a strong sense of doubt. And you're just like, oh, I just don't even want to get up, you know? You know what the crazy thing, and I totally agree with that. Um, yeah, nightmares, not wanting to get up, feeling just debilitated, right? Mm-hmm. And that agonizing feeling of like going to bed, thinking about the same thing you're waking up thinking about and you still don't have an answer. Yeah. I think that's really, really rough. Um, and the thing that's crazy, I, I've found so far as an entrepreneur, because a lot of people will come up to me and say, Jason, you guys have made it, right? You're 6 million subscribers, you're... Um, you've gotten funding from VCs, mm-hmm. uh, you're so successful. And on one hand, I think it's true in that we've survived and we're like, I, I wouldn't suggest surviving, but we're continuing to grow and we're building something that I think is truly making an impact. Mm-hmm. But one thing that's really humbling is what I'm finding is that every stage along the way, the bar actually gets higher for me as an entrepreneur of like the way that I need to personally continue to grow too, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, I did it and now we're at this stage. So we're like smooth sailing from here. I figured it out. Every time our company gets larger, every time the stakes get larger, mm-hmm. there's a reevaluation for me of like, Jason, can you grow and become the CEO of this company now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, can you grow faster than the company? Otherwise, Unfortunately, there may be a time when Jason, you are not fit to be the CEO of Jubilee. Mm-hmm. And that's a scary question too, right? Of like, man, this is my baby. I started it. But do you love the mission, the vision, the employees enough to know, even recognize that sometimes what's best for the company is not always what's best for you. Mm-hmm. So I think it's separating that identity is such a difficult process that mm-hmm. I constantly try to think about and do. And I'm in the process of like looking for an executive coach, for example. Mm-hmm. It was like one of these things of like, okay, I need to continue to level up. Otherwise I will do a disservice to my team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's such a powerful statement too. And I do agree. Like you, your company cannot outgrow you mm-hmm. if, if you're the leader of the company, you know, like it can't, it's, can't, it's nothing. It can't grow anymore. If you, you don't grow. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. You're the ceiling. Yeah. Yeah. I love how you, you know, continue to push yourself to grow as well. I think that, you know, some people actually, when they reach a milestone, they just, you know, settle down and think that they've reached success. But I love mm. your mindset and how you all constantly push yourself to grow. And so we talked about the lows. I would love to know, like, your transition to a love and abundance. <laughs> yeah. <Yes. laughs> your transition to love like, and abundance. And this what, is the worst job ever. Why would anyone want to be a founder? <laughs> <laughs> but what has just been like the most exciting part of, you know, your journey as, you know, a founder and watching it all unfold. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of my favorite parts for every one individual that you've got that you're like staying awake at night, trying to rock your brand on how to help them grow and support them. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've had 
10 amazing people who have just like found their wings and are soaring at Jubilee or have left Jubilee and are taking some of the lessons and growing even more. And that's something I'm incredibly proud of is that there are so many people we've interacted with, whether it's as employees of our company, uh, whether it's um, folks who have come through our film fellowship who are now just killing the game. And I feel like that's all part of the Jubilee mission for me. Um, selfishly, I like to say, you know, this is part of our, you know, uh, our success is seeing other people succeed in what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as we get to like interact with them in some way, I feel really grateful for that. So that's something I love. The other thing that brings me so much joy is, you know, I constantly get messages or emails from young people who are saying, man, I watched your content and this changed my life or this changed the way I think about X, Y, Z issue. Thank you. And, um, you know, that means just the world to me because I think to be able to do what I love, but also make a difference in a positive way. Um, I feel incredibly lucky to do that. And I know that I can't take the credit for that, that our team is, you know, really the heroes in that, in that journey, but I feel really uh, fortunate to be able to have those kind of reminders again of why is it that we do what we do. Yeah. That's awesome, Jason. And I know, you know, you know, at the end of the day, we're all human, right? So there's a sense of like looking at your competition and still, still having the abundance mindset. Like how do you deal with other media companies who have similar missions who may or may not have more followers or you're looking at them, Oh, this person's catching up. Like how'd you deal with the, the type of competition and stress? Do you feel like, Oh no, like I got to push myself harder or are you like, okay, cool. It's a piece of pie for everyone. Let's, let's succeed. I'm curious. Yeah. What you yeah. No, it's a good question. You know, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm like incredibly competitive. My wife will tell you that my friends will tell you that I, I hate to lose. And I think it's natural for us as entrepreneurs or as just humans to be comparing ourselves to other people. So I'd be lying if I didn't say, Oh yeah, like I'll look at other folks numbers and see how we're doing. Um, I think the problem comes when I'm more focused on someone else's numbers than my own number. Mm-hmm. Right. And to your point, this idea of scarcity mindset versus abundance mindset, I think early on I was so, I don't want to say fixated, but I was, I cared so much about doing better than, but also getting the accolades of other folks mm-hmm. that it distracted me from actually just doing the work well. Like I wasn't even doing the work well to my own standards because I was so focused on someone else's standards or someone else's acclaim, let's say. Mm-hmm. And what I realized was actually that when I stopped doing that, um, that I actually found that our company grew faster, but also that when all these other companies were succeeding and actually ended up helping our company. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason was, I'll, there are a lot of reasons. One was there are other more mature, more gracious founders out there who would reach out to me and say, hey, if I can be helpful to you in any way, please let me know. And they were really honest in that, right? So that's something I've learned to be able to give that posture to other people and say, hey, if you if I can help you with our platform in a way that will grow you or amplify you, I'm like really happy to do that. And then the second thing was there was something about like this rising tide helps all boats Mm-hmm. where the pie, we're not trying to like slice this pie, but the pie was actually getting larger. Yeah. So something that's really fascinating to see on YouTube is, you know, we've got some other folks who people will compare us to other YouTube channels, for example. Yeah. What we find is that when they're doing better, we actually end up doing better and vice versa. Yeah. Right. So then in that way, we're not competitors at all. And in that way, we're actually allies and trying to grow our mission and our vision. So yeah. that's been a really cool lesson. And it helps me just to stay focused on what we're trying to do and, and just try to help as many people along the way as possible. I love that. Amazing. I love that you yeah. highlighted that that point because mm-hmm. with the Asian community, there's a huge crap yeah. mentality mm-hmm. where it's like, uh-uh, you're coming back down with me, you know? Yeah. We try to fight that all the time in Asian Hustle Network mm-hmm. to the point where we're giving away contracts. We're giving away our how we do things in Asian Hustle Network to other communities because we're trying to be like, hey, look, there's a large piece of the pie we can't be the only community out there that's serving the community, right? So no. we try to be as abundant as we can. And that seems to blow a lot of people's minds when, <laughs> when, the other, when you reach out to other community leaders, like, how can we help you? Here's our contracts. Here's how we do things down to our notes, you know, our curriculums. Wow. Because we're, we're that abundant and we're like, okay, like, because our point of view too, it's like, 
we can give you all the resources in the world, but you, but everyone's different. You're not going to execute the same way that we're going to execute. So mm-hmm. we're super comfortable with doing that because we need more Asian leaders out there. Yeah, uh, totally. exactly. I, I totally agree with you in the Asian American space that early on, especially I think when we're younger, it, it's easy to be kind of cagey. And yeah. I think for me, honestly, it was growing up in Kansas, is that it felt like there cannot be another Asian in the room with you even. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to not be able to tell us apart or whatever, you know? So that was my own thing that I had to work on, but um, I love the way that you guys are going about your work and your business. And the other thing is I've learned is that this is such a long game. It is. I mean, like so many of the people that you're interacting with, you will see them again. And when folks, you know, do great work with you or feel some of that like kindness from you, they -hmm. will like pay it back tenfold and you don't see the trail always, but someone else will come and say, Oh my God, you know, Maggie and Brian, they were so helpful for me here. And five years later, you see them again and they're like blowing up in their own thing and they want to show you their shine, right? So exactly. I, I've just been so rocked by seeing how much we are running a marathon and not a hundred yeah. meter dash. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we're definitely on the same page. You know, like, we're just like, you just got to keep moving, keep jogging. Every yeah. Day. yeah. <laughs> I think especially now, like there's just so many more and new media companies and Asian inspired media companies and but we need to all Asian exist. inspired communities. Yeah. And we, we need to all exist to be able to help each other, lift each other up. And so we can get to our goals and I, like just with one community, we won't be able to make much of a difference, but if we all, you know, collectively come together and, you know, join forces, it makes such a big difference. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So I do have a question for you, Jason, what does empathy mean, mean to you? Yeah, it's a really good question because you're starting to hear the word empathy be used so often Mm -hmm. um, in 2021. And for me, empathy, the way that we define it simply is the ability to understand and feel the feelings of another person. Mm -hmm. Um, Empathy for me doesn't mean that we're going to agree on everything. Let's say you really like the Lakers and I really like the Clippers. It doesn't mean that I have to like the Lakers, right? Um, that's not what empathy means. Empathy means being able to have some of those difficult conversations and honestly, sometimes agreeing to disagree, but understanding where that other individual is coming from. And um, that's the thing that I think we're missing so often because people, you know, have a version of empathy, which is, oh, um, let's just be nice to everyone and like not even have difficult conversations. And I don't think that that's empathetic either. I think sometimes it requires us to do the hard work of oh, actually, Brian, the thing that you said, that kind of hurt my feelings a little bit. That actually offended me a little bit. And this is why. And for you not to say, well, F you, I don't care. This is why I'm going to go about, you know, having some of those difficult conversations is really important. And then on the other hand, also just listening to each other. Mm -hmm. We're seeing so much in politics and in news and with a lot of the crises that we're having is people are just talking at each other, not willing to come to the table and just understand that other people might feel differently yeah mm-hmm. i like that a lot too and you know we watch a lot of your videos on youtube and some of the videos that we watch we feel like you bring on two contrasting individuals <laughs> you know but yeah. at the point we're just like are you sure empathy is going to work with these two individuals <laughs> is there any middle ground here yeah, yeah. i mean like, how do you how do you how do you bring in guests and do these videos that have such contrasting views and prepare them ahead of time especially with your directors too yeah i mean our directors are superheroes they just do such a good job because at any given day or any given week they're looking for a crazy set of cast you know we did sex workers and pastors middle ground before like if you follow us on instagram sometimes i'm like hey i need a you know vaccine supporting firefighter like there's such specific things that we're looking for Mm -hmm. Um, so they just deserve so much credit. Um, the other thing I'll say is because people give us a lot of credit for these conversations. And the truth is, I think we, we try our best to do our due diligence to create a great culture and a safe space where people can authentically talk and also be listened to, which I think is unique. Mm -hmm. But the truth is that when people enter that space, there is just a level of kindness and empathy that they will extend to other people. Mm-hmm. a respect, if you will. And I think that that's actually within all of us. It's not like Jubilee is able to specially pull that out. Yeah. It's just we're creating spaces where people feel comfortable being their authentic selves mm-hmm. and also 
changing the way that we interact, right? Where it's not like, oh, no, I have to convince you why X, Y, and Z is the right way. Mm -hmm. That's not actually the conversation we're having here. It's actually, what do we have in common? What do we think similarly about? What do we think differently about? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that a lot of ways, Jubilee is just honestly reflecting almost like our, our original intent as humans, as like society, as the way that we're supposed to, to interact and learn and grow from each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that, love that. Yeah, definitely. I think one person shows empathy differently than another person, even at different yeah. levels. So just finding that commonality and that middle ground is super important. Yeah. Um, so we, you know, we saw your website and we saw your team and for all the listeners, go ahead and check out their website. They're team page is so adorable. It has baby pictures of everyone, but I would love to know, like, what do you typically look for when you bring on people to your team at Jubilee Media? Yeah, I find that that is like the most important decisions that we make every day is who's going to join our team and why. Um, and it, it, it all goes back to our values, actually. Mm-hmm. So what we try to think about is we've got these five values. How does that translate in terms of the work and the competencies that we actually want to see? And that's even all the way from hiring, all the way through our feedback forms. Everything is linked to that because, you know, there should be a North Star as to how we operate and what's important to us. Mm-hmm. Um, but since the very beginning of the company, we had this rule where everyone would, would interview everyone. So, for example, like when we had seven people in the company, all seven people would interview the new candidate, which is kind of intimidating you know, <laughs> as I say it. But it was just such an important thing that every single person should be almost enthusiastically yes. Right. We would say, are you a no? Are you a maybe? Are you a yes? Or are you a hell yes? Right. And what we found was that we had to be actually at a hell yes universally before we hired someone. Otherwise, oftentimes they wouldn't succeed. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. um, we've gotten to a scale, obviously, now that we can't have everyone interview each other. But um, we still have a lot of those principles of like, how enthusiastic are we? And it's not only because we're, you know, considering Maggie as the candidate and saying, how well do we think she'll do? It's also a sign of how much are we willing to make sure that she succeeds within Jubilee, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Yeah. So um, hiring is something that's really, really important to us. And we, we find and we treat really, uh, I think, as a huge priority within the company. Yeah, I like that, that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hiring and taking care of your team is a two-way streak, and mm-hmm. it's under, oftentimes underestimated how much time and yes. effort and heart goes into. Oh my god, and expensive, <laughs> time-consuming, very, very yeah. agonizing at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I want to ask the second to last question. So I know that you've been very active in Clubhouse recently, and you have okay. a club yeah. called Be Water. Can you quickly talk about that and how we can join? Yeah, please. Thank you. Um, I've had a blast at on Clubhouse. And um, when I first joined Clubhouse, I think it was in the fall of 2020. Honestly, there weren't that many folks on there. But what I saw was that all the other groups, like ethnicities and, and races, had a group that was just for their community to gather and have kind of conversations. Yeah. And I was like constantly searching for the Asian one and I couldn't find one. So I said, you know what? Maybe I should start one myself. Um, so I asked a couple of folks who I knew were on Clubhouse, how do we start this? And we started Be Water, My Friend, which is pretty loose, honestly. It's for and by the Asian American community, uh, but it is welcome to all. Um, and we want to obviously represent the diaspora that represents the Asian American community. So South Asian, Southeast Asian, Asian East Asian, mm-hmm. and even folks who, who consider themselves as allies and friends. And we try to have like weekly events um, but it is not supposed to be the Jason Wiley show. In a lot of ways, I'm trying to ask other folks to do <laughs> events because what we want to see is just like a rich uh, platform where people can use and elevate their voices. Yeah. So it's been a really, really fun place to just experiment. I love that. And also shout out to Jason and his Friday events with the talent show thing. <laughs> right. We do an open mic night every Friday and that's yeah. been super fun. And love we got that. to use that to raise money and awareness for, for hate as a virus, which yeah. was super cool. We raised, um, yeah, $26,000, which was insane. It it blew our $5,000 goal out of the water. Um, So it's just cool just to see the community gather this way and and support each other. Yeah. Yeah. And for our listeners, Hate is a Virus is a nonprofit to combat xenophobia xenophobia and racism that Michelle Hanabusa, Tammy Cho, and the third person that's missing is me, the third (laughs) co-founder that created 
but I stepped away from Hades of Virus to focus on the Asian Hustle Network. But they are doing a phenomenal job giving back to the community. And please check them out and all the great work that they're doing. Yeah, and check out Jason's uh, Clubhouse Rooms. You host amazing rooms that are extremely interactive, welcoming, and super respectful, and just love joining those rooms. Yeah, thank you. We're, we're hopefully going to have a Jubilee Club uh, sometime soon. Awesome. Where we're going to be doing a lot of our shows on Clubhouse. Love That's that. something I look forward to. Definitely looking forward to Amazing. That. So Jason, we have one last question for you. And that is what one advice could you give to an aspiring entrepreneur? It's a really good question. Um, I think that the piece of advice I would give, you know, there's so many tactical things I could say that might make someone better positioned or grow. Um, but what I will say is that I believe that you can make something extraordinary. Um, that so often in my journey, I did not hear that voice from my parents or from other individuals who say, I believe in you. And the truth is that I just believe, I honestly believe that ordinary people can do extraordinary things and that anyone with the right willingness and, and hardworking courage can, can build their own company and, and change the world. So I will say, uh, if you've got that inkling in your heart, nurture it, grow it, continue to, you know, fan the flame. And that um, I think the world will be better off for you taking that choice and making that decision. So okay. go get it. Love that advice. Thank you so much, Jason. And how can our listeners find out more about you and Jubilee Media Online? Yeah, um, folks can find me just Jason Wiley underscore uh, on Instagram and Twitter, Jason Wiley on Clubhouse. And then Jubilee Media, we're on YouTube, we're on Instagram, we are now on TikTok, which is nice. uh, amazing. It's been really, really fun. It's one of our fastest growing kind of channels and awesome. spaces. So uh, a lot more to come on the Jubilee side um, and some exciting announcements that will come later this year. Awesome. Oh, excited to hear that. We're them. excited, Jason. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. It was awesome having you on the show. Thank you so much for sharing your story with yeah. us and the Asian Hustle Network. Absolutely. It's been such a pleasure. And thank you, Maggie. And thank you, Brian, for all the great work you do for the community. It's honestly an honor to be here and, and keep up the great work. Thank you, Jason. Appreciate you. you. Hey, guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to the show. We would like to get to the top 10 on iTunes, so be sure to leave us a five-star review. We release an episode every single Wednesday, so stay tuned. Thank you guys so much.